chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And I kick off this sermon with a very, very uh, popular verse. A text that we're all very, very familiar with. Matthew chapter number 8. And I'll start reading in verse, actually verse number 18. And it reads, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment of time. Will you please help us, Lord, as we study your word, as we aim to be more like you, committed and submitted to the call that you've given to every one of us. Empty me, Lord, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Enable me, Lord, to articulate these truths and a very powerful and significant way so that you can get the glory. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence this morning. We're kicking off a brand new series entitled Contagious. Now, I want you to understand something, and I, I, this is probably, I should say this, but a little bit later uh, in the year, we'll be having our equipped classes, and one of our equipped classes will be uh, will be entitled uh, "Becoming a Contagious Christian." But today, primarily or this month, I want to talk about uh, becoming a contagious church. So, how do we become the kind of church that God wants us to be? And so, when we talk about contagious. Contagious is about spreading our faith, it's impacting the lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to be talking about this all month, and, um, and I want to talk uh, about church growth and what that looks like, and because that is something that is applicable to all of us, something that we all care about. And I say we all, meaning that all of us Christians we care about dynamic growth. But the statistics reveal that there is very little authentic church growth in America, but more of transfer growth. Now, when I talk about transfer growth, transfer growth is really is Christian going from one church to another. Christians will park at one church for certain period of time, and then they'll just go from church to church to church. What I'm talking about is authentic growth whereby people are being uh, brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And so we talk about growth of a church. We're talking about it in those terms because authentic church growth really is about people coming into the kingdom of God who had no relationship with Jesus Christ previously. Now, a couple of things I want to say with regard to that, because um, how many of you are familiar with the book of Numbers? Everybody familiar with the book of Numbers? How many of you have read the book of Numbers? <laughs> it's a very interesting read, isn't it? Quite, quite exciting. <laughs> uh, so we know God cares about Numbers. But when we talk about real church growth, how many know that numbers alone don't tell the story? Numbers alone don't tell the story. For an example, y'all remember in John chapter, we can't read all of it, but you remember in John chapter 6, 
verses, uh, well, I'm going to read verse 54 through 66, but actually you can read a, a larger portion of that particular passage. Jesus was kind of battering back and forth with some of the disciples and some of the religious, the Pharisees. And, and, and you remember when Jesus kind of makes a statement, he says uh, to them, he says, you know, drink my blood, eat my flesh. And he kind of says that and he gets everybody all upset about it. And the question then becomes, and Jesus didn't really qualify. He just said, if you want to follow me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, Jesus, you had to know Jesus, obviously, is very intelligent, is very smart. But why did Jesus say that and didn't qualify? He just said it. And when he said that statement, I want to let me read this verse. This is John chapter six, verse 54 through 66. Look at this. But there are some. Here's what Jesus said. He says now, right after he said it, he says, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe. Right. So Jesus knew who it was. Jesus knew there was a distinction between those who were disciples and those who were just following along. Jesus knew the difference. It says in verse 65, and he said, therefore, I said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples, look at this, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? So so here we see that Jesus shrunk his church on purpose. This is against every church growth expert that we know of today. Don't, make, don't say those kind of things because you, you, you would scare people off. You would get people upset. Don't, 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 say that, don't say that. But Jesus said it because he wanted to distinguish who it was who were really following him versus those who were being, who are really disciples. Now, let me say this. Our church is a discipleship-based church. I really believe that that is the, that is the anointing, if you will, or that is, for lack of better words, that's the anointing, that's the, that's the grace that God has given us as a people. And so when we talk about this issue of discipleship, this is, this is something that I believe more and more is becoming more and more foreign even to our society. Because how many know that there's a big difference in just attending church and versus being transformed? Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's, 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 a, there's a big distinction there. And so when we talk about this issue of, of discipleship, it's not a message that is geared toward trying to keep the crowd happy. It's not a message that is necessarily just trying to uh, just trying to, to to keep the people who are Christians in the pen, or just or, you know just just try to just try not to to, to to stir up anything. It's really we talk about discipleship. It's, it's a lot deeper. It has to do with a life change. That is radical in Jesus Christ. And so I say to people all the time, I say, when people, when people come to our church, if you want to find, if you just want to come to a church that is, uh, that's, 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 that's going to just kind of, uh, make you happy, entertain you, do all those wonderful things, don't hold you accountable for how you live, you will not stay here at Foundation Church long. You won't stay here long. Because you're gonna, because, and how many know there are a lot of people who are out there who are like that? They're not, how many know people go to church for different reasons? Come on, everybody talk to me. Everybody who's going to church is not seeking Jesus. Am I right about it? So what Jesus was really saying, Jesus was really, he was saying, okay, I'm gonna make this statement because I wanna drive out the ones who are fakers versus the ones who are really wanting to be transformed. And so we talked about church growth. Let's talk about church growth for a moment because many of us, when we think about church growth, we only think about it in terms of numbers. If a church got 100, 200, 1,000 people, which is great, they're preaching the gospel, people are getting saved, wonderful. But, but how many know if, if, if they're not walking in discipleship, if they're not being radically changed, if they're just, if they're just coming, then how many know the church still has work to do? So here's a question. Um, how many ever heard of Bill Hybels? 
Anybody ever heard of Bill Hybels? He got a church, uh, a very large church. Bill Hybels is really a foremost authority when it comes to church evangelism. His church is called Willow Creek Community Church. He's wrote, written a whole lot of books. In fact, one of the books that I'm reading now is forwarded by him, and it's called uh, A Contagious Church. But he, he speaks a lot about church evangelism, and his church is, I believe, I believe his church is about the, the third largest church in America, Willow Creek Community Church, uh, Bill Hybels. You can look him up. But um, there, was a, there was a gentleman, and it's quoted in one of his books. There's a church consultant. Let me show you what I mean. His name is Wynn Arn, A-R-N. He surveyed a thousand churches, just did a, a survey. And he asked, here's the question that was asked. Why does church exist? Why does church exist? Okay, he surveyed a thousand churches. Just asked him, so why does church exist? Hear this. 89% of them said this, that the church's purpose is to take care of my family and my needs. Did y'all just hear that? 89% church folk said that's the purpose of the church is to to, uh, take care of my family and to meet my need. Now, only in that particular survey, only 11% of them said to win the world to Jesus Christ. Is it no wonder why we are confused what real church growth is? And so, in essence then the pastor's role, really, in a lot of these scenarios, is to simply keep the sheep who are already in the pen happy and make sure you don't lose any of them. That's, that's kind of like what it's, what it's relegated to. But how many know that as a Christian, and some of you have heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. As a Christian, you are designed to reproduce. When you don't reproduce, at some point, your Christian faith will become boring, you'll become stagnant, and you'll start looking for other stuff. And this is what, this is, and I'm, I'm saying this because this is, I believe, the condition of the church today. Now, I believe there are, there are real reasons why people need to go to different churches and get, I'm not knocking that. But, but a lot of what's happening today, I'm telling you, I don't believe is God-inspired at all. Because how many know that that ain't but so much word that we can take anyway? But how many know that the word you get in, you're designed to dispense it? And, and, and if you're not dispensing it, if you're not sharing it, it's kind of like that manna. You remember the manna when they were told that they couldn't leave it too long? They had to eat it. That, 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 it, it held over too long and it became rotten. And unless we begin, hear me, because how many know church blessing I know this, but some of, some of us believe in the church, and I'm kind of going off. The, some of us kind of believe in it, that, 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 that real Christianity is about God just blessing me and meeting my needs. At the core, church is about evangelism. Winning loss. In other words, people who have no relationship with God, bringing them in. Not just, watch this, not just maintaining the Christians that we have, because, watch this, it's nothing wrong with that, but how many know that, that some of us, we are happy as long as we got enough people to do church? Are y'all still listening to me say amen? amen. See, if we, got enough, if we got enough people, then we can do church, I'm cool. If somebody new happened to come in, great, if we happen to win, okay, but, 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 but how many know that it ought to bother the church in general with new people are not coming in, new people are not coming in on a regular basis, not being baptized, not being saved. That ought to be a concern of all of us. How many know it's a concern here at Foundation Church? As it should be a concern in every church. But if I, but if church growth is really then all about just this thing of just getting people in the seat and not making disciples, I, I will question whether or not we're really advancing God's kingdom. Because now here's 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 a question I, I want I want to because see Christians when when so so why are churches here's one of the questions they had in this book I'm reading it says uh, it, it says why are churches merely content when their church merely holds its own and maintain its membership and budget numbers 
So why is it that we can go on year after year with almost no unchurched people coming to Christ? The fact of the matter is that it's easier to build a church with other Christians than it is to reach unbelievers and convert them to Christianity. It's much easier if I can, just, if I can talk to another Christian or somebody I know who's like, I'm going to talk to them. But, but, but how many know that at the end of the day, we want to be bringing in new people into the kingdom of God? And it's much easier, and so it's a backdoor way of not taking on and confronting evangelism confronting the loss the way that Christ wants us to confront them. Now, I'm not knocking numbers. I'm not knocking, you know, but, but let me give you this analogy, and I'm stealing my introduction here. So let me give you this analogy. So let's just say, for an example, that church down the street foes for some reason. Let's say that, you know, a pastor did something that was wrong, and, and you have, let's say, 100 Christians. You have maybe, uh, the church is about 200 people. Let's just say of those 200 people, uh, they, they kind of wander around and they, they, they find a place and the great majority of them decide, you know, we're going to park here. Now, these are all Christians, right? Let's just say they're all Christians. And, and they, let's just say they decided to park here. Now, realistically, that can happen. It, I've seen it happen all the time. Now, many of us will look at that and we will say, and they, they came here, man, oh, we're growing. We're growing. We're growing. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that maybe perhaps we're not. That it's not happening, but but if all you relegated that to was the number of people that were in the seat, I'm telling you that's that we're incomplete. Because if they're Christians, all we the best we can do is disciple them and get them to reproduce. And if Christians are being discipled and they're being taught the word of God and they're not living out those things and they're not doing them at some point, trust me, it'll get boring. You'll get unhappy. You start to you start to look for look for other places. This is just the way it works. Jesus said this in Matthew sixteen eighteen, and that's kind of I don't know if I laid that foundation down the way I wanted to, but I hope you all get the gist of what I'm saying. Jesus said this. He says, "Also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." All right. Jesus makes it clear that this is his church. So then if this is, and I say his church, I'm talking about the biblical church. Everybody say biblical. Come on, everybody say biblical. Preach with me, everybody. Now, so when I say the biblical church, I'm talking about a church that is based on this Bible. Because there's a lot of so-called churches out there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Secular churches that has no place really in this book. So when I think, when I'm talking about church, I'm talking about the church that Jesus built. Jesus makes it clear that this is his church. The biblical church is established by Jesus Christ. The biblical church is sustained by Jesus Christ. And we need to do everything we can to support it. It's his church. So then if it's Jesus's church, then Jesus sets the tempo and the model and the mission for how that church ought to function, how it ought to operate it, operate, and what those values are. Jesus is the one to set that. None of us, Pastor Gary can't come in. I can't come in as a pastor and decide that I'm going to change the whole direction of what Jesus said he wants for his church. He didn't call me to reinvent the wheel. How many know he called us to preach the word? What's here? Now, Interestingly enough, Jesus makes a statement that I think sometimes can be glossed over, but we need to pay attention to it. Jesus says to Peter, and he's speaking vicariously, I believe, to all of us, that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why would Jesus say that? He's telegraphing the fact that the church is going to be attacked. That the church is going to suffer attack. The church is going to be challenged for her values. The church, the enemy is going to do everything he can to frustrate the mission of the church. So why is that? Why does Satan want to frustrate the mission of a church? It's simple. Because the church is Christ's primary vehicle in advancing the kingdom of God and winning souls. It's done through the church. So what Satan's going to do, see, 
see, if you're sitting here today and you are saved, if you're saved, you are saved. Now, what Satan wants to do, Satan wants to minimize our capacity to reach anybody else. Satan would be quite happy if you, if we were, if we got one, two, three, four hundred people in here and, and we shared our faith with nobody else and just, and we stayed here and just had church every Sunday and we were not out there reaching. How I many know Satan would be very happy about that? He would be happy. Oh, they, they're happy. They, they're doing church. Oh, they want to come in. They want to clap. They want to, oh, they, they're happy. But oh, Satan would be happy. He would be like, oh, good, good, good. Y'all stay right in that, stay right, stay right there with each other until Jesus come back. Whatever you do, don't, don't spread this gospel. Don't take it to nobody else. And that is the great deception that I believe that has crept into the life of the church. And even pastors that I know of that have much larger churches than ours, they say the same thing, that people get complacent. Because as long as we can have church, and I say have church, have church in, in the sense of how we define what church is. How men would define what church is. Because in the biblical church, they were always reaching. They were always going out there, sharing their faith, trying to invite, trying to bring somebody out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So Jesus said this. Jesus said, Satan will not prevail. Now, that's good news. And all the demonic attacks, the church, we're talking about being a contagious church. The church will prevail because Jesus is running his church. So 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 let's strategically do this. So now so. What is the main reason that we're here? Let me ask this question. What's the main reason that we're here? Why do we exist? Some of you came here this morning. You didn't think you was going to be getting kind of this kind of thing, but 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 see, it's it's it's, it's really it's, it's really about it's it's about truth and 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 and, and understanding the, the mission. So why are you here? Why do we have church? Why do you think it's important to get involved in a church? Now, if you say, if, 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 if the, now what, now let me stop right there. Stop, now absorb that question. Now what, when I said why are we here, what first jumped into your mind? Because if, if, if what jumped into your mind didn't have anything to do with evangelism, you've already missed the main point. You've already missed the main point. So in, in worldly sense, here's what the world will say. Well, the world will say, we're here to take care of our families. It's a noble thing. We should take care of our families as Christians, no doubt. The world will say the primary reason we exist is to get a career, buy a house, have kids, enjoy the world and all that it has to offer. That's a mindset that is void of a relationship with Christ. Now, you have said, now you said you lift up your hands, you got down on your knees, you came and you said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord and the ruler of my life. Every one of you, if you're a Christian, that's what you did. At some point, you made a very conscientious decision. You said, Lord, take control of my life. I belong now to you. Jesus said this, if any man would come after me, let him first uh, deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Not my life anymore. So every Christian, we, 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 we came in the same way. Understanding then the reality of that, then this changes the whole discourse of how we live. It, it factors into the decisions that I make. It factors into who I marry. It factors into where I go to church at. It factors into where I get a job. It factors into where I live. It factors into, it factors into every aspect of my life, who I'm in relationship with. Why? Because I've become a Christian and I've identified with him. So then if I've identified with him and he and I belong to him, I came to the cross, I gave up my rights to run my own life, then how many know there ought to be a very distinct difference in all of us? Jesus said this in Luke 19.10. He said this. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, now, you can sit there and say, well, that's Jesus, though. <laughs> you can say that, right? Well, he, he was the Son of Man. Of course he would say that. Of course. And somehow we're able to 
divorce ourselves of that responsibility of which Jesus just said. In other words, Jesus says, for the Son of Man to come and seek and to save that which was lost. Watch. So Jesus built his entire life theme around this truth. Everything he did, every place he went, everything, it was built around this thing. I came to seek and to save that was lost. So everything Jesus did, he was about seeking to save that was lost. He was constantly, just I remember the woman at the well, he was sitting there chilling out. And the woman walks up and out of nowhere, Jesus, he engages her. He doesn't, he, he's a woman. You're looking for something to drink. I got water that, you, that I will give you and you will never thirst again. This was Jesus now engaging the woman. He was, he, 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 every opportunity he was thinking about, I'm here to seek and to save that which was lost. It was the vision for his life. It was, it was the vision, the mission. It was everything. Jesus said, this is the, this is the reason why I came. Now, how does that relate to you and me? Right? So how, how does that relate to me as a Christian? Am I supposed to be that deep? You know, you know how some some Christians are. They don't want to go but so far. They just want fire insurance. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I got fire insurance, I'm good. They just want fire insurance. But they don't want to go all the way with Jesus. You will never be a happy Christian until you submit all of your life to him. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You will never experience the full benefit of what it means to walk in the power and the authority of God until you relinquish all of your rights to him. Never. You're depriving yourself of the anointing and the power that God wants to give his people who would dare walk with him. Fully and completely. What does this have to do with me, Pastor? What did Jesus said he came and she can say what that was? What does that have to do with me? I'm glad you asked. John 20, verse 21, he said this. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the father has sent me. Watch this. I also send you. Wow. Y'all, y'all get that? Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I'm now also going to send you. And that's what Jesus was saying. The same mission that I had, I'm transferring that to you. Now, I'm giving you the mission that I got. It should be yours as well. He's simply saying this. Jesus is saying this. That he came to seek to save that which was lost. And watch this. He's saying that you and I should be about seeking and saving that which was lost. I don't care. If you're too busy to evangelize, you're too busy. Let me say that again. Because I didn't get nobody, nobody clapped. But that's okay. If you are too busy to be evangelizing and sharing your faith, something in your life needs to be cut down or cut out. Because your mission now, Jesus says, I'm going, and then greater works will you do. I'm going to my father. In other words, he said, I'm, I'm leaving here, and the same mission as my father sent me. How did the father send Jesus? He sent Jesus to die. He sent Jesus to seek and to save that were lost. He said, as my father sent me, he said, now I'm sending you to do the same thing. And you as a Christian, you're, you are supposed to be actively seeking, looking, and, and, and sharing your faith with hopes that somebody will come to Christ. And listen, you're supposed to be, you're not supposed to be doing that every single day. Not just on occasion if somebody asks, how many know that, you, how many, aren't, aren't you glad that Jesus took the initiative? Come on, somebody. Amen. He says, you have freely received, now what? Freely what? Give. So he said, now you now as a church, because we're the church of Jesus Christ. We are to structure our whole ministry and everything about what we're doing to try and reach lost people. Watch this. Not just people that follow. Not just gaining a crowd. See, the goal is not just to... See, the goal is not just to fill these seats with just people. The goal is to fill these seats and transform these people to disciples. Because if they become real disciples, they're going to be actively sharing their faith and they're going to be bringing in new disciples. Now watch, let me, let me, let me clarify the mission here. So Jesus said in Matthew 28, which is 
kind of the anthem, uh, uh, what we read earlier. I want y'all to stay with me because what I'm saying today is so important. Please listen. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, he says, now, go, therefore, oh, watch this, make disciples. Everybody say disciples. Come on, everybody. Everybody say disciples. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And look, look what Jesus is doing. And he said, now, lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. Now, so Jesus, let me say, let me say this, because this might mess with some of you. The mission of the church has already been established by Jesus Christ. The vision of the church has already been established. Foundation Church don't exist to do something that is, uh, that is, that is kind of counterproductive to that vision. We're, 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 we're not to try to reinvent. No, that's Jesus already established what the vision and the mission of the church is. We as the people, the church, we are responsible for going out and making disciples. But pastor, that's your thing. No, it's not. It's not just me. My job primarily is to train and equip to make disciples, but all of us are to be involved in the work. We have the gift of evangelists, but all of us are called to evangelize. All of us are. And don't let that slip your mind. So every church has a mission. Now, let me give you an example. Every church has a, 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 a mission but, uh, or a vision of some kind. But let me say this. Every church has what I would like to call a submission, <laughs> meaning that any mission or vision a church has derives its origin from the mission and the vision that Jesus already set in place. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Amen. So it's already been said. So, so any statement of slogans, anything, is really, it has its origin in what Christ already said. So if I want to come up with a vision and a mission or something that is contradictory or something that doesn't complement what Jesus said, then, then I'm not flowing in the spirit of what Jesus said. Jesus said, go therefore, watch this, and make disciples. Watch this. This is going to mess with you. He didn't say go therefore and make followers. He didn't say that, did he? Come on, church, talk back to me. He didn't say that, did he? This is the interactive sermon. Make it, let's make it interactive this morning. Right? He, he didn't say go and, and make followers. No, he said go and make disciples. See, Jesus got rid of a lot of followers. Remember? Drink my flesh, eat my blood. A lot of folks left. Jesus knew. He said, I gotta, he said they, they're not really disciples. They don't want to be disciples. He, he, they, he said so Jesus had to expose them so they could see what their real condition was. He said, go and make disciples. This is the mission of the church. This is what we're supposed to be about. Going to make disciples, not just followers, but people who are being radically transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. People who have made a decision to live the totality and the rest of their lives serving the interests of Almighty God. And we and, and, and the church overall have slipped into a place. Oh, gosh, we slipped into a place where we're very where we allow people to be comfortable with no accountability. I don't have to evangelize. I don't need to share my faith. And you got people who show up, they come, but they're not really engaging in this mission. That Jesus Christ gave us. How I many know Pastor Bailey did not give you this mission? You can't blame me. Listen, you can't blame me if we're not making disciples. How I many know all of us are responsible to make disciples? Are y'all hearing me? Every, if you're sitting here today, you can't, you can't. And see, that's what a lot of the church do because that's what we teach them. And I say, we, we church leaders, we teach people, just come to church, we'll do the work. No, no, we're all supposed to be involved in the work of making disciples. And the only way I know to make disciples is you've got to go engage people. It's not rocket science. You just got to open your mouth and talk and share and preach the gospel. When's the last time have you preached to somebody? He says, go make disciples of all nations, 
The gospel is not relegated to any race, any sector of people. How many know this gospel message is for everybody? The church is not ever to be discriminatory in terms of how she ministers, how it ministers. The church does not have the authority nor the right. We don't care what race you are, where you come from, your background. This gospel is for everybody. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is good because with Jesus now, he, he's, he's making a point of, 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 of that, that, that baptism, which means to immerse. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, in the name of Jesus. Biblical deity. Not baptizing them in the name of Mohammed, Harry Krishner. Oh, y'all. See, how many know that today there's this secular government, the, the government pushes a secular religion, but that's not the mission of the church. He says, no, you baptize them. How many of you consider yourself a Christian? Raise your hand. When you baptize, when you talk to them, you talk to them about, you talk to them about Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. Not Buddha, not Mohammed. I can respect you, but I will never bow down to your God. Not ever. I don't care what society say. I don't care what the presidents say. I don't care what the government say. Jesus is Lord. And you ought to clap your hands. If you don't clap for nothing else, that's the time for you to clap your hands. Jesus is Lord. Period. No questions asked. Everything going to bow down to him. Your money, your wallet, your success, all of it, one day you're going to, it's all going to bow down to him to whom we must give our lives account to. Now, Jesus said, now teach them all things. In other words, he said, now, here's what I want you to do. Teach them. Here's the mission of the church. He said, you teach them the book. Don't entertain them. Don't just make them feel good. After they've been living a life of raunchous sin and they want to come in the house of God to feel better about living a wrong life. How many know we need to preach and teach for conviction? Conviction, which means I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to be, I want to change. I, I don't want to stay in this condition that I am. I, I want to change. How many know that you can go to, there's a lot of, I don't, listen, I'm not knocking nobody. Please hear me. But there are plenty of churches you can go and you can, you can be and do whatever you want to do and nobody will ever say anything to you. And they won't hold you accountable. And, and listen, and they're blind and lead the blind and how many know they'll both go into the ditch? Why is the way to lead, broad is the way to lead to destruction. Narrow, Jesus said, is the way to lead to life. Are y'all hearing me? And then what Jesus said, narrow, which means the majority of people ain't going to come in there. See, this is hard. See, how many know the messaging of our church it's hard for somebody who are not trying to go that deep, which really ain't that deep. I even know when I preach, it ain't deep. It's just a word. All I preach, I mean, I give you a lot of scriptures. I give you the word because I don't want you depending on me. Simply, I, I want you to get this book yourself. I want you to read it, digest it, and say, here's what the book says. If we're going to be a Christian or we're going to be something, what kind of church are we going to be? Jesus defined what the church is supposed to be about. Go make disciples of all nations, teaching the Bible. And then watch this. Now, here's something interesting that Jesus said. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Jesus said, and lo, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Oh, I love this verse. I love that, that part. Because what Jesus essentially is saying is this. He says, when the church, because this is our mission. Our primary mission is to go to make disciples. All the other stuff that some, all the other ideas that people got, they're just ideas. If it's not tied to this evangelism, they need to get it. They need, they need to come back. Jesus said, I'll be with you. In other words, he's saying, when the church commits to evangelism, when the church gets serious about reaching the lost, when the church gets serious. Now, when I say the church, help me, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when, when, when the church Get serious. He says, when, they, when the church gets serious about this, he says, Lo, I'll be with you. In other words, I'm going to bring my power with you. 
I'm going to bring my anointing with you. I mean, the disciples, they were anointed. They were doing stuff. Why were the disciples anointed? Somebody say, well, God ain't doing that work. God ain't doing that today. God ain't doing those kind of miracles today. That devil is a lie. It's because we ain't doing what we're supposed to be doing today. When we get serious about doing what we're supposed to be doing, then we'll get the power. The power will come when we do what we're supposed to do. God ain't going to get, he wasted his power on people who want to sit and, and do nothing. Oh no, he want to empower those who are going to actively step out. Why do I want power? If I ain't going to step out, if I'm not going to share, I'm not going to teach. Why do I want the power? So if we're going to be a church of one power, we got to get serious about it. Let's, listen, we'll see, we'll see miracles. We'll start seeing people come to this altar on a regular basis, give their lives to Jesus. We'll start baptizing a whole lot more people when everybody in here gets serious, including me. All of us get serious say, we're going to go back. We're going to, we can either sit down and say, oh, God, the other church people left. So I'm going to go to another place with some other church people. That's the way you live your Christian life. And you'll be doing that forever. God is going to go, oh, that, instead of you and I confronting that thing and saying, no, I'm going to go out and do something great. I'm going to go share my faith. I'm going to go witness. I'm going to go preach to somebody and see somebody get saved and bring him into the house of God. That's how we're going to do it. Or you can just simply cower, sit back and say, I'll just find me another church where I love, not other church people at, where I can just sit, chill, and have a great time. And go home and settle back into a life of ease. How I many know evangelism takes work? That's why a lot of people don't want to come to smaller churches, honestly. Because it's work. Let's be, can, can I be honest? People don't want to come to smaller churches. I don't want to, I don't want, I ain't trying to do all that. I, want to, I ain't trying to get all deep. I ain't trying to do all that, bro. I'm just trying to be a good Christian. Me, I just, I just need a little word. Just keep me on point. I ain't trying to go share and do. I ain't all. I, that's for somebody. I ain't. That's not me. You've been sold a false bill of goods. Now, I got to get ready to stop. Okay. So watch this. So in Acts chapter two, talking about a church, and we read this verse over and over and over again. And, and it's like every time I read and I think all of us in here, we read Acts chapter two, verses four to one and four to seven. We see the power of God moving and we see a picture of a church that is functioning according to to the to, to the prescribed order that Jesus gave. When a church flows and, and, and when a church flows and does what it's supposed to do, things will begin to happen. Lives will begin to change in Acts chapter. I can't read all of this, but. I'm going to try not to read all of this, but in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. Look at this. I'm going to read it real fast. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Great fear came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among the poor as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, Breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Now, Paul, Peter preached right before this. Peter preached 3,000 people got saved. 3,000. Because see, they were out, right? They were doing street evangelism. Say street evangelism. We don't like street events. Street evangelism today ain't cool. We read a textbook and Facebook and that's a textbook, you know, Facebook, <laughs> tweet, you know. I'm not knocking. We can use all those things as evangelism too. But, you know, at the end of the day, real evangelism come down to a confrontation. <laughs> you can do all the stuff you want to. But at the end of the day, at some point, you got to stop sitting back saying, well, I this is not my gift. Everybody has been called to evangelize. If you can open your mouth and talk. You are, you can evangelize. If you couldn't open your mouth, God is still, there would still be a way. Every, every, say, say everybody. Say, say everybody. So, 3,000 souls were committed. Watch this. They continue together. So here's where church comes in. Why, why is church so important? Let me, let me tell you why church is so important. So church, 
So we know they continued together. They were in the word of God. They were being taught. They were being disciples. People got saved. They learned. They grew. They learned. They grew. And then when they were, whatever they were learning and whatever they were getting, they were dispensing. So they would learn it. They would get it. And they would get out there and they would share it. They would learn it. They would get it. They would get out there and they would share it. They would learn it. They would get it. And they would get out there and they would share it. They would learn it. And this, is, this is what they did. And watch. And so watch this. So when the contagious Christians come together to form a contagious church, we have an unstoppable force. See, the church was contagious because the people were contagious. That's what made the church contagious. Well, the church is dead. Well, if the church is dead and you're a part of it, what does that make you? I ain't nobody talking to me. I'm just saying. You, you have the light of Christ in you. There should be no such thing of a dead church. If the church is dead, because the people are dead. And the people need to wake up. Okay. Let me, let me, let me okay. So y'all know that. So they were spreading the word. Watch this. Going from house to house. Now watch this. Somebody will say, well, well pastor, they got saved and, 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 and there's nothing about evangelism. Well, it says here in verse 4 to 7 that they have favor with all the people. And y'all read, look at Acts chapter 2. He said, they have favor with all people. You don't have favor. Listen, in order to have favor with people, you got to engage people. I'm going to write about it. You got to talk to them. You got to get out there and have favor with all the people. So they were spreading this thing. This is what the church was about. The church was about, watch this. Now here's the kicker. This is, this is the part. This is the thrust of this whole message. And the Bible says, now, and the Lord then added to the church daily. Everybody say daily. Those who are being saved daily. In other words, God added to the church. See, God ain't adding to churches because people ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Or we're waiting for somebody else to do it. I don't have time. I'm busy. I got a job. I got a family. I got kids. I said once, I said again, you're too busy. Now watch. So the Lord added to the church daily. So watch this. So in other words, new converts were coming in on a regular basis. And why, why, why we say they're new, new converts? Because it clearly says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. <laughs> they were being saved. So, so watch this. So nothing gives more life to a church than new people coming in. Some of us, you're, wishing, you're like, where did my friend go? You're all upset because your friend such and such. Nothing gives life more to a church than new people. Y'all know I'm talking about new converts, new people coming in, new people coming into the kingdom of God. Are y'all hearing me? Let me tell you, the Lord added. In other words, why did the Lord add? Because God, listen, because they were obedient to do what God said, and then God blessed them. And when God, how many know when God blesses a thing, it's going to multiply? It, it has to. If God don't have anything to do with it. But you know, God will sit right here and wait on us. As long as we want to sit here and wait. Look, God will be, I'm waiting on you. God will be waiting on you. God said, no, I'm waiting on you. Who's going to win that battle? Who's going to win that battle? Hey, look, if the chairs are empty in the house, it ain't rocket science. The folk got to go out and get people, reach people. I mean, I mean, what else is it? Well, I just let somebody else do oh, it. Need, I just need to go where it's happening. Okay. If you feel that, then, you know, more power to you. And I, I hope God's calling you to that. But. But, but here's the thing. I say that we here at Foundation, we have an awesome opportunity to go get new people. Paul says, I forget those things which are behind, and I move forward to the things which are ahead. Now, how many know the more, anyway, how many know, have you ever been in a church where people just, the same people see each other all the time, and then they start just, they just start turning on each other? You know what I'm talking about? They just get, we get tired of each other because we're saying, because we're designed to grow. New people, new converts coming in, and God will bless. So come on out, brother. So in conclusion, watch this. So contagious Christianity. So we, all, so we understand the mission of a church. What's going to make us a contagious church? What's going to make foundation a contagious church? Our commitment to the mission and the vision that Jesus gave us. That's it. That's what's going to make us contagious. Our commitment and then our application of that. So let me, let me say, let me put a plug in. So, dear Diver Hubbard, if you don't know who Diver is, you're right in the back. Raise your hand. Say hi to Diver. Everybody. She's in the back to my right. 
So she made these door hangers. We made a thousand of them. One thousand door hangers we made. And so I want to give them to those who want to go and simply put in all the door. I don't have a, a meant to bring it, but my wife, I get here before she does, so it's in the car. But so we'll make sure to get them. But the door hangers have basically an invite to our to our service, invite to the church. Have information there, just to let people know we we exist. Now, some of us can look at that and say, "Hey, brother, you want sister want to hand out some door hangers?" Nah, I don't know. Give me three or four. But let me tell you something. If everybody in this room is serious about evangelism, there won't be one door hanger left. You'll go out and you'll share your faith and you don't even care if you get embarrassed. Because that's your life mission. You, this is an opportunity for you to go. You can hang, you can talk, whatever you want. You, you want to ring the, ring the doorbell if you want to. But here's a, it's, it's an opportunity because contagious Christianity begins with you and me. In other words, we, if we want to become contagious churches, we must become contagious Christians. If we want to be a contagious church, you've got to be a contagious Christian. I mean, look around you. Just take a moment. Just look around you. We got work to do. We can either sit back and wait and just say, oh. Or we can say, you know what? I'm going to get busy. Lord, and you pray to your God and say, Lord, first of all, I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to get serious and walk with you the way I should be. I'm going to give attention to the things that you care about, that you call me to do. It's okay to do all the other things you want to do, but not at the expense of fulfilling the mission that God has given us. So y'all hear what I'm saying? We got to evangelize. We got to, everybody got to do it. We got to evangelize. Reach people in your community. We got to, you got to build these relationships. All of us got to do it. If we're going to be a contagious church, we got to be a contagious people. We must be committed to this thing. As I had put up this sign, and we talked about at the beginning of the year that our mission for this year serve, or our theme for this year. It was last year. Because I felt so strongly, and I still do, that God want us to actively engage in our community. God want us to meet people, to talk with people, to establish and build relationships. That's what service is really all about. It's just really giving you an opportunity to establish and build relationships. To engage, to get out there, take a step of faith. Contagious churches are serious about evangelism. If we're going to be a contagious church, we got to evangelize. Everybody got to do it. We got to step out of our place. We got to change your life. You got to ask yourself some serious questions. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed.